What's up, everybody? I want to make sure I say, do not own that music at all. I do not own the rights to it. I don't even borrow the rights to it sometimes. What's going on, Facebook? What's going on, Facebook family? What's going on, my friends? Man, thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in to the first 11 episodes of what he said with uh kevin walker of course i am kevin walker um thank y'all for the views uh thank everybody for the views thank my audience in germany uh that tune in faithfully every week according to the demographic report that we're receiving um you can catch this on eight different platforms um most of the people that do catch it live for the most part are right here on Facebook. So we populate and generate this from Facebook. At the same time, we're on the StreamYard app uh, going out to another eight venues um, that the podcast has been accepted on. And I just want to thank you guys for your, for your sharing, for your listening, for your commenting um, over the weeks. Over the first 11 weeks, as I stated, while we do this, thank y'all for that. Uh, man, we're trying to really do something nice and blow this thing up and um, make it something make it something worth listening to. Uh, the one thing that we do always say about doing this podcast is that it's a no judgment zone. We, you know, we ain't gonna get on here and judge people and talk down or whatever it is that that you want to discuss or whatever it is that that you're privy to or sensitive to when you voice your opinion on this particular deal so look thank y'all man thank you thank you thank you uh, i want to send a 
shout out to those families, man, and that's that that's lost some loved ones over the last week or so, last couple of weeks, maybe even. Uh, man, death is always something that's tough to deal with, but at the same time, death is something that's inevitable. Everything breathing gonna die. Everybody, as my pastor used to say, uh, God rest his soul, but my pastor always said, everybody is going to get a chance, whether you want it or not, to sit on the front row. Um, and that's absolutely true. Pastor used to always say that. And, hey, it's a fact. As you know, always available. The Raider mug. Somebody asked me, man, what really be in that blue that, that, that blue cup you be drinking out of, what you really be sipping on doing your podcast? No, I'm, I'm honest. I really do be sipping on Crystal Light, either Crystal Light or Coke Zero. But for the most part, I'm sipping on Crystal Light. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not a real big drinker, so that's cool. Uh, look, we got about three topics uh, this evening that we're going to touch on. Janae, are you going to join us tonight or are you going to stay in the background? She's, uh, I don't know, if I say she's being in her feelings right now about something, I have no clue what about, then she'll get mad about that. Um, so can you at least... I'm working right now, but answer email. Okay, can you at least read out and tell them what we're going to talk about today? Hold on. Um, is it a scientific fact that your diet changes your taste buds? She said, is it a scientific fact? that your diet changes your taste buds. That's one of the topics. Um, the other one is the effects of addic addictions on, long, long, on the long-term family camaraderie. The effects of addictions on the long-term family camaraderie. And are we truly what our parents were? Are we truly who our parents were? Have we turned into our parents now with our kids? So let's go back to the original topic that she mentioned first. The first one we're going to touch on is, is that a scientific fact that you are what you eat, basically? Like, and I'm not saying as far as your diet goes, you know, if you diet and eat the right things and pay a salad every now and then or whatever, that'll help you lose weight, help you maintain your weight down. Uh, I think for the most part, what we're saying, because I had women tell me this and so, when a woman brought this to my attention, I posted about it and got all kind of crazy hits, got all kind of inbox messages about it, people who didn't want to post uh, openly on Facebook. But I had a woman tell me, well, Kevin, you know that if you change your diet as far as the liquids go that you drink, um, it'll change the taste of your semen. It won't be so thick. You know, if you're dehydrated, her work, exact words were, if you're dehydrated, then your semen's going to be thick and kind of chunky and clumpy versus hydrating yourself and making sure you stay regularly hydrated and you're not on the dehydrated level, that your semen will be thinner and easier to consume because there would be no taste. So I'm like, so... I didn't start drinking more water, man. So, 
I was curious about that. So I remember Beyonce in the song saying, I've been eating or sipping or one of them, watermelon. So was she saying that's what her coochie tastes like, watermelon, because she was eating more watermelon? Or was she saying she was partaking in her husband's semen with all the seeds and babies? So that's where the watermelon came into play with the seeds and a melon and the seeds and semen. Um, so I just was curious about it, man. Uh, so I actually, I honestly did some research. And you honestly cannot change according to Boston Medical and several different, you cannot change the taste, but you can thin the semen according to the Boston Medical Group. Um, I'm, <laughs> I see you, Jane, okay with the Beyonce. Um, so I was just curious about that, man. That was, that was something that um, it didn't matter to me as far as what a man would taste like. But as a man, you always want to accommodate the females in your life who's ever going to be partaking. So if, if I could eat more melon or grapes or... So what does the watermelon do to a man? It doesn't do anything according to the Boston Medical Group. I specifically asked about watermelon and grapes and strawberries. Uh, there's nothing that a fruit can do. Hey, if you just like partaking, you like partaking. It is what it is. Um, so I found that to be intriguing. I found that to be kind of strange that there's a myth out there. And so many women were commenting, saying pineapple, watermelon, grapes. They were naming all kinds of fruit that supposedly if you would partake in would, uh, would change the taste of your semen. Ladies, unfortunately, unfortunately, ladies. Okay, she says watermelon is a diuretic. It rolled across my screen too quick. Let me kind of scroll back and see what Beatrice said right there. Beatrice, where you go, where you go? Okay, there it is. She says watermelon is a diuretic. Okay, I can I can believe because it's so loose or whatever and cleanses, so I can see it resulting in a thinner quality. Yeah, now they did say that, you know, proper hydration, as the young lady said, would thin it. But they didn't say eating a lot of fruits or drinking a lot of waters would change the taste of your semen. Because she said, even if you're on medication or whatever, it'll take that medicine-y taste out of it. I'm like, are you a semen drinker connoisseur? Because she had so many different answers and results about what swallowing a man's semen could do for her or, you know, how to change the taste and the texture of it. Uh, but she was wrong, according to the Boston Medical Group. So I thought at one point in time, when you researched this watermelon thing, it had a positive effect for me. Watermelon did. Well, only from the effects of helping you stay hydrated. Not necessarily from the effects of changing the taste of the semen. Changing the taste of the semen, they said, is non-factual. 
but it helps other ways. Watermelon for me, it helps other ways. I don't know if it helps, but it thins the semen. Just like, but they said any any particular thing that would help you to be hydrated. They kept mentioning water, water, water on hydration. Uh, of course, being a medical group, they aren't gonna they ain't gonna suggest much more than water. You so know. it's not a natural form of Viagra. No, she said. Dude once said pineapples makes it sweeter. Yeah, well, that I I, I did. We I think we all remember that song. Them pine dice pineapples. Who was that? Uh, what's the little short rapper name that do the dice pineapple song? Uh, I can't even think of his name. I can't think right now. Yeah, I I just actually literally woke up since I got home from work. I so I was coming in and. I started having a small toothache, so I was like, well, shit, let me get on top of this now before it kick in. I was supposed to have been going to the dentist, but that's a whole other monster for a different issue for a different day. And I took these two Tylenols I had. They were blue, but they were the PMs. Man, when I tell you that shit knocked me off my ass today, I took them while I was like maybe 20 minutes out driving in. Once I got to the house, all I could do was make it to the bed and lay down. I was literally out of there. But back on subject. Uh, hydration, hydration, drinking fruity substances and all of that does not be at your Sanchez, change the taste of your semen. And I'm only responding to you, not saying that you were the young lady that gave me the other stuff, but Beatrice is commenting on here now that it was once said by a dude that pineapples help, help you uh, taste sweeter. I mean, maybe I researched what helped the man change the taste of the semen. That's the group that, uh, I mean, that's the message that I typed in on the Boston Medical Group. And um, according to the Boston Medical Group now, I'm just saying what the Boston Medical Group said. And that's one of the more prestigious online services that you can ask questions to uh, about the body. Fruity drinks do not help change. I even asked, does fruity drinks or fruit? Does fruit change the taste of the semen? According to the Boston Medical Group, Fruit does not change the taste of your semen either. So, ladies, you're going to have to take it like it is. She said, wait, what's the topic? The topic is, Elisa, does drinking and eating certain foods help change the taste of your bodily fluids? Like, even on the, from a female perspective, um, eating more pineapples or drinking pineapple soda. What's funny is, uh, I remember, man, probably about, I don't know, she may have been about 12, a little girl that was a cheerleader for me. Uh, her mom was like, what's up with you and these, um, you drinking all these pineapple sodas? And she literally said to her mom, they said it make you taste sweet on the song. She didn't know that he was talking about going down, eating her chocha, making her chocha taste sweeter. She just thought that, you know, it would help her smell better or taste better, maybe with kissing a boy or something like that. She said, I thought it, I thought it'd make the woman taste better. Not according to the Boston Medical Group. I'm telling you again where I got my research that just hydration period. They didn't necessarily say eating pineapples, uh, it's a chocha. I didn't want to say 
or vagina, or you know, I gave it a nickname, the chocha. So at least said, I heard that pineapples work for work for women. Think it's a myth. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. That I do think it's a myth, uh, according to them. Fun fact: If a man loses 15 to 20 pounds, it would make him appear that a man's probably larger, mainly because they lose inches in the stomach and have more agility. The length and the taste. Of it. She said she cared more about the length of it than the taste of it. So, well, we had that conversation a few weeks back. Everybody was claiming size don't matter. But clearly Jane thinks size matter, according to Jane. Uh, what's, what's up, Gerald Dockery? Women can taste it from what I heard. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, man. Again, uh, I can't tell you from personal experience. I can only tell you from what the Boston Medical Group says that now, uh, from it being from the perspective of maybe being uh, medicine-y, maybe, you know, that portion of it being like, you know, hey, you are what you eat from, from that perspective. What's up? What's, what's up, Coach Red? Coach Reginald Simpson. Uh, but definitely size. So Nicole says now size does matter. But y'all be flipping. See, well, you women be flipping the script because we had a resounding uh, response of women saying size don't matter, size don't matter. And the biggest thing they were saying about the size of it not mattering, Nicole, was that it's about, you know the old saying, it's about the motion in the ocean. And if I love him and care about him, the size don't matter. It's about him that I'm caring for. I'm only responding to what you women say. Uh, but supposedly, the taste don't matter either. Um, so y'all, I mean, y'all y'all do your own research on it because according to the Boston Medical Group, eating pineapples, so y'all can leave some of them pineapples on the shelf if that's what you're trying to do. Eating pineapples will not change <laughs> she say that's bullshit eating pineapples does not change the taste so i got women now saying hey man that size does matter uh but again hey i'm gonna tell you what that bmg say who's supposed to be one of the most prestigious uh medical schools in america that Boston Medical Group. Uh, so for, don't be trying to go buy your man a bunch of pineapples and a bunch of shit like that to change his taste because you're going to get what you're going to get. At least it's said different strokes for different folks, literally. LOL. Yeah, you, yeah. Different strokes for different folks, I guess so. So uh, it can be bitter, but again, hydration is key. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what they're saying that if you're hydrating, it thins it out and it does tend to have less taste. If you're hydrated, now they did say that. If, if you're hydrated, it does take some of the taste away uh, or it changes. I ain't gonna say it takes it away. It changes the, uh, the taste at that point um, being hydrated. So our, um, so we just about ran the gamut on this one. So the, uh, the other issue Honestly, that I wanted to touch on and 
most of us have sort of dealt with it or we're currently dealing with it uh, in our in our personal families is drug addiction. Um, you know, of course, I won't say it no longer exists to the nature that it once did because I don't think addiction ever goes away. I just think the way addiction is handled now is very, very different. Um, you don't get probably as many what we call in, our, in the, in the African-American community crackheads uh, just walking around like zombies. I mean, you still see people out there, but I think more so now what we see are more mental health issues with people that uh, resulted from years of drug use or maybe currently still on drugs, but now it's started to affect the mental health uh, issue with that person. Um, so our second topic is does the long-term effects of drug addiction, how does that affect your family? How does that affect the camaraderie in your family? Um, and I think for every family, like I said before, we've got somebody that's dealt with addiction in the family. Um, I know as a family, uh, we, we've battled with it. And the thing about us is that it's never, ever changed the love you have for a person. The love you have for them doesn't change because that's your loved one. And you never really want to see your loved one suffering or struggling with anything. You want to see your loved one get the help they need. And not everybody's going to reach out for that help. And um, they go years and years and they struggle. I was, it, it was once explained to me when you talk about drug addiction, it was, it was once explained to me that for a woman that's got an addiction or that's battling addiction is that most of the time women may stay a little addicted longer because that first high, that first blast that a woman gets, that a woman literally reaches her sexual climax. Uh, she has an orgasm because it feels such a great sensation to the body. Uh, and I was told this by a drug counselor that uh, it has a great effect to the body and it puts a woman metaphorically or puts a woman euphorically, I'm sorry, in a place where maybe she's never been. Uh, and so women can spend several times chasing that high, several, several years chasing that feeling, chasing that high all over again. Um, so I, again, I, I know that's something that we all deal with. And, and how does that affect the family? When you've got a loved one that's addicted, yeah, that's that steals from you, um, and a look you did in your eye, and you know there are all kind of jokes out there about, you know, crackheads or drug addiction or people that are addicted. But what does that do for the family? How does that tear down the family long term to have an addicted aunt, uncle, cousin, little brother, big brother? nephew, sister, um, how, how does that affect your family? How does that, how does that make your family not or no longer flow like it probably once should have or, or once it did? Um, you know, addiction, addiction is something and the mental health part from the addiction is something that can be very traumatizing uh, to the kids in the relationship. Uh, again, 
you know, kids don't know Uncle Charlie. They just think Uncle Charlie funny, you know, or maybe Uncle Charlie ain't like Uncle Kevin or Uncle Rob, but they don't really, as a small child, so much. And then the embarrassment uh, that the person that's the addict causes to their own kids if they have them. Um, maybe their kid's embarrassed when mom has to come around or mom being addicted may see that kid at the store and be like, hey, can I give me some money? Let me, you know, as a kid, that, that can be crippling or embarrassing if your friends are around. Uh, again, we're discussing uh, addictions and the addiction on the family and the addiction on the camaraderie of the family and how that affects, you know, your family's values as it relates to uh, just relationships inside the family. Um, again, I wanted to touch on it because I know that's something that uh, we all at some point or another with a family member or two um, has had to deal with. Um, you're very prideful because you because you do love that person and you want that person back. Um, and sometimes, man, they can get into some stuff out there to where it does start to affect their mental health, you know, over the uh, long term effects of the drug, drug, drug addiction. Um, it does start to, uh, to affect their mental health and they're no longer the person who you thought they were or what they were. Um, so addiction does have a very harsh effect on the family and on the family camaraderie. I just think when, when there is that sort of issue, um, all you can do is try and force or try and help your loved one to get the help they need to uh, reach out and try and sit down and get the counseling they need by sitting down with a, sitting down with a therapist or someone who can counsel them on their issues. And hopefully uh, that person is willing to get that counseling. Uh, but from what I've been told and from probably what all you guys have heard, you can't force an addict to get help. That addict's got to want help. That addict's got to seek that help for itself because if they're not doing it for themselves, meaning reaching out for the help, then they'll end up right back. or They'll end up still staying into, um, staying into the addiction. And, and struggling for, for many, many years. And it's crazy, man. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. You gotta, you gotta try to get them to seek help, Felicia. Um, it's crazy, like I said, I remember for years we would have uh, people right here in the hood, you see the same faces and you knew all the same faces uh, that would hang out at the store, wanting a quarter, give me 50 cent, got a dollar. You know, honestly, some of those people now that are there, you know, I question, you know, is it more mental health now than it is a drug addiction? Um, yeah, definitely. But when it's, when it's, when it's a loved one, you know, it's it sort of, it sort of hits different. It sort of hits different versus uh, someone who you have no relationship with someone that I guess you're being kind of forced to care about, so to speak. Um, Again, I know this is something that's pounded several families out there across America. You know, now the big thing is there's a big governmental push because you know how it is when it starts to affect the white community. Um, hey, look, 
African-Americans have been dealing with this crap for years, but when it starts to affect the white community, then all of a sudden there's a national push and a national commercial. Because now the big thing is opioids. Uh, opioids are addictive. And what's crazy is that these big pharmaceutical companies um, are the ones that's pushing the agenda for mental health with uh, opioid addicted people and what have you. Now it's starting to affect these people, kids. Um, you know, you go into a lot of white, predominantly high schools. Um, it's all about the pills. And I'm not saying that black kids don't do pills. What I am saying is, you know, pills is sort of an upscale drug of choice. Choice. That's just like uh, cocaine. You know, you don't find a whole lot of black people that were in the 80s and 90s just snorting straight cocaine. Yeah, that was a celebrity drug. That was a party drug. You know, um, and people graduate. They start with marijuana. They ain't getting high as they want to get no more. Then they graduate. They graduate, you know, um, all the way up to what they call horse, which is heroin. And um, supposedly um, there's no better high or no greater high than shooting up some heroin. Um, so, yeah, man, counseling, counseling, counseling. Uh, and that's something as African-Americans that we don't necessarily do. We are afraid for whatever reason, for whatever reason in the African-American community, we are afraid to sit down and get counseling uh, just for our mental health. You know, when there are issues, things that have haunted us in our African-American community, we won't sit down and get help for it. We try and fight that addiction to the death. So when it comes to opiate addictions, in 2019, 70% of drug overdose were because of opioids. What's the percentage on that again? 70% of drug overdose deaths in 2019. Yeah, so... That's what I'm saying. That's the that's the new killer on the streets. And that's why now there's such a national push. You'll see national commercials um, as it relates to opioid addiction. Because uh, that's something that is affecting not just seniors, meaning older people. When I say older, I'm not talking about 50, 60. I'm talking about 30 or 40. Now that's a, that's a drug of choice for high school kids. And yeah. college athletes. And some college athletes. Uh, but, and that's sort of too, when, when you spoke, talk about college athletics, the uh, painkillers. Mm -hmm. So it all start with, you know, the opioids, you're taking these for pain, so supposedly. Uh, and it just turns turns into something crazy. I remember when uh, longtime NFL quarterback Brett Favre came out and announced that he had an addiction issue to painkillers. Uh, I don't know if it was opioids, but he did say painkillers and that, he was going into rehab to help with his addiction to opioids. Well, to painkillers, I'm sorry. Uh, I misspoke. Not opioids, but painkillers. And and they have met, that may have been uh, what he was using at the time. I'm, uh, again, I'm really not 100% certain, so I don't want to put that on uh, Brett Forrest's back. But I do, I do know he announced himself that he had a drug addiction to painkillers. Shannon Sharpbitch yesterday on um, Skipper Shannon when he got hurt. And, you know, he was addicted. He was on, you know, painkillers. Like, he would ask for them. And that's why he would, you know, have his successful, his most successful games because he was in so much pain. But he's like, give me this painkiller. 
Now he got a hip replacement, got to have another one in February. Yeah, and from what I understand uh, from guys who've been there, done that in the league, man, you can go in and pop them like Skittles. Like, they're that available to you. You can go in and get in a container and get a handful. Uh, I remember them giving us salt tablets like that back in the day, which is probably why probably 85 90% of us now got high blood pressure from that salt intake. Um, but supposedly it was to help the body, help restore the body faster back in the day by us taking salt tablets after being out uh, practicing uh, in the in the sun and sweating very profusely. The salt tablets help your body restore. Like basically, the coaches would have them a big old jar, like a pickle jar, sitting on the door to the coach's office, and we just go by like, hey, get some salt, get some salt tablets, and man, that's how we pop them. Uh, from what I understand from uh, a few friends of mine that that played in the league. Man, painkillers are available to you in that same nature. Hey, you need them, you got them. Help you, help you cope, help get you back on the field, help get you back in the game. Remember, man, these people are paying you millions and millions of dollars. They ain't giving you this kind of money to sit on the bench. They're giving you this kind of money to get back in the action. Um, it's almost like, give them to me now, we do, we'll deal with the consequences later. That's how Shannon put it today. Yeah, no, I can I can see that and I believe that. Um, man, it's a it's a sad thing, and just on the fact uh, that Janae was mentioning that uh, Shannon Sharp was speaking to the addiction. Did he say he had an addiction, or was he just speaking to how painkillers were available to him? He was speaking to like how they were available to them, and how um, I forgot what they were on the topic when he brought it up. Actually, Skip brought it up, and he was like, yeah, he was like, well, I would take, you know, go and take payments, like, give them to me now. I, we know it's illegal. We know you're not supposed to take them, but I'll go ahead and I'll take them now and deal with the consequences later because he knew he had to go on the field and play. And that's why he had, you know, got a little hip replacement. He stated today he got to go have another surgery come, for, come February. He almost damn near biotic. Yeah. Well, I just know that uh, painkillers play a major role. Man, you here, here, here's the thing about playing professional sports and really professional football more than anything. Uh, on every play, doctors say that basically that's a car crash. Mm -hmm. You're in a car wreck on every play with the way players slam their body together. They... Uh, they equated that to a player being in a car wreck on every play. And, man, sometimes now, like when I watch the game, I just can't believe that I played the game at such a high level. And that's how I got to the next level in football, man. I was able, fortunate to get a scholarship, had many scholarship offers, uh, was because of my violent behavior. And I tell people all the time, my entire college career, Man, I played my entire college career with a headache. Uh, so these NFL guys now, man, that are receiving uh, compensation for concussions, it's, it's well-deserved. Um, you got, like Junior Seau, mental health. Brother played nearly 20 years in the NFL at linebacker, which you just don't hear at a high level for all 20. So you know there was some painkillers going on. 
Junior Seau killed himself, man. They said that this dude's brain had morphed into something that was maybe equivalent to something of a 90-year-old. And this brother was maybe early 40s when he killed himself. Just came home and put a shotgun to his chest and blew blew his insides out. Um, but again, it was from all the pain that that he was living with. Yeah, that that's how the addiction starts. Um, and like Janae just said, I think she read seventy percent. Uh, was that twenty nineteen? Seventy percent of the overdoses were ruled due to opioids. So man. You know, let's not ignore it with our family members, uh, especially your kids as well. For those of you got kids playing high school and collegiate athletics, let's not ignore it. Um, I had a friend of mine uh, a few months back was sharing with me about her daughter uh, receiving some stuff from an athlete that he supposedly got from the training table or got from the medical staff. I'm sorry. Uh, he got from the medical staff and he had passed it on to her. And he's like, she was like, you know, Kev, man, I knew, you know, I knew she was smoking weed, you know. Okay, most, a lot, I ain't going to say mostly all, but a lot of kids are. They they dabble with a little marijuana here and there. But uh, she was given something a little stronger that sort of had her off her rocker for a while. And, um, um, I, I pray she's fine now. I pray whatever it was, she understand the effects it had. But man, these drugs are like guns almost. And what I mean from that comparison, that analogy is like they're readily available uh, to these kids. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, man. I'm 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 prayerful. Uh, you know. Fortunately, my one of my boys anyway, uh, athletic career is over. Um, so basically, he's just living life, but he does work in the medical field now in the uh, for our United States Air Force, and hopefully, um, hopefully that's something that sustains him and maintains him. So from that perspective, I ain't got to worry about that. Uh, but I am prayerful to other people's uh, family. So what was our last subject? Uh, so we touched on the... Are we... Are we who our parents were? I, I can tell you right now, you know, for me, I have almost a very, very low irritation almost to bullshit. Um, so I know, like, at 52 years old, Man, I, I probably pretty much have morphed into into who my dad was. Um, and it's not a bad thing because you've got to mature and go through life. And uh, if if you don't mature, if life and life's experiences doesn't change you and make you the bigger man, the better man, then man, you're in trouble. <laughs> you, you're in trouble as a person. Uh, you know, we always speak to what grandma said, what grandpa said, that's because as kids and teenagers, you know, nothing really made sense. And now we laugh and we talk like, man, you know, it's crazy because now, 
I show feel, I show feel what grandma used to always say about yada, yada, yada. And we do. It's like, you know, okay, grandma was right about this one. Uh, grandpa was right about that one. Um, so I, I do believe that at some point, man, we are the people who raised us. Like the experiences that we go through affect us in our families one way or the other. Um, so if you raised or were raised in a house where there was some form of verbal abuse, uh, I think you, I think you tend to maybe think that I'm not going to say you think that that's okay. But what I will say is that if you were raised in a house where, where your parents talked to each other or spoke to each other in a foul manner, like that, pushes over onto your kids uh, sooner than later. And, you know, here's my thing now as a grown-ass man. Um, well, I'll be damned. Look who showed up. I mean, let me give you a little breathing room there, man. Give you a little, that, there you go, a little CT, a little camera time. Um, but the the verbiage in which you speak to each other so here's my thing and tell me how y'all feel about this i i personally always say like i don't want to deal with a woman that has a language issue meaning every other word is sob or mf -er or something along those lines in normal communication like, if that's how we talk to each other, if that's how we deal with constructive criticism or just conversation, period, you know that if on our everyday basis, this is how we speak to each other, when we get upset, we're going to disrespect each other when we get upset because that's how we normally talk to each other. So when now there's tension in the air, when there's tension in the air, you know, and don't tell them what she might call me or you might call her uh, because there's tension, there's anger. And I've been saying it all along, hurt people want to hurt people. When you're mad about something, you want people to feel your wrath uh, based on based on your verbiage. And I, and I just think that's a learned behavior that came from our parents and, you know, how we saw our parents communicating and dealing with each other. Now, to that same token, your dad could have been the coolest, sweetest guy in the world or mom. I'm not saying that um, you're going to adopt that particular situation. I think you're also more prone to speak to your, your wife or significant other husband in a more calm, more resolution, de-escalation type manner versus cussing them out because you're upset about something. What do you think, Janae? So what I think is, as for me, within the house that I grew up in, I've had to like step back because I feel like I was like basically turning to my dad sometimes because he yelled, he screamed. And I've always said, I am not my parents and I don't like dysfunction. And when you grow up in dysfunction, you don't want to raise your children in dysfunction. So, like, I may elevate my voice, but to the extreme that my dad did, 
I can't I can't do that because it makes your children I don't want my kids to ever be afraid of me. And I don't want my kids to ever be like they can't come talk to me. So I don't want it to ever be a distance between us because of the fact that of how I spoke to them, like how it is now with my parents and the rest of my brothers and sisters. So and because of how I grew up, it's like I just tend to not have to want to deal with it or I do like a self-evaluation because I just can't see myself being like that towards my kids. I don't want my kids to have that feeling towards me as to how my siblings have towards my parents. Yeah, and that's crazy. Sometimes I remember... Um, I would hear just conventionally if we were outside playing football and man, it was, it was, it was rare moments where if parents were upset about once they got home, you didn't clean your room or you didn't wash the dishes. Like the parents on the street I grew up on, they didn't spare no expense at the fact that you were outside amongst your peers. You get your MF and ASS in here and this, they didn't care where you I mean that's, but, that's how they dealt with situations. Uh, me personally, man, I fought, fought, fought so hard not to deal with and talk to my boys and definitely Jade as a little girl in that manner. Now, sometimes you got to get a little ignorant with your kids because, you know, you can be sort of low-key, cool, and chill, and they don't get it. But the one thing I can tell you, uh, both of my boys, I never really had to get on the jade like that because she kind of had me wrapped around her finger. But at the same time, she wouldn't put herself in those situations because uh, she knew daddy was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But mama could say something to the boys and nobody moved. And she'll say it three or four times. And nobody's got to do anything. And I come in and be like, hey, man, Nobody heard what your mama said. Everybody get up running, scrambling to go do what they, you know. So that male factor on the family, that male dominated gene in that moment, in that situation. And that's not with being an abusive father or anything along those lines. Because I think both of my boys to a young man now would tell you that, you know, they didn't, they weren't raised with, uh, being abused verbally or physically or anything along those lines. I, I talk to them like young men, you know, and what I used to always tell my oldest boy, like, come on, dude, don't, don't put me in the cross. Don't make me have to say something. When mom asked you to do something that was very simple that you could have taken care of right then and now ASAP. Now I got to come in and be the fool or do the fool because she going to be mad at me. Well, why you didn't, you know, don't, don't put me in that circle. That's how I know. I'm sure that's how Cliff was. Cliff was the enforcer. He was. Now I see myself as the enforcer. And I'd be like, okay, Janae, take a step back. Chill. Because I just got to say one thing to my kids. You want your feelings hurt? They already know what that means. I don't have to say, you know, you want your ass whooped? I'm going to whoop your ass. You know, it's just, you want your feelings hurt? They say, no. My oldest son asked me one day, I said, you want your feelings hurt? And he said, with a belt? And I said, yeah, with a belt. Oh, no, my mom good. And he went on there what I said. No, I, I feel like as a parent, I shouldn't have to repeat myself. I hate repeating myself. Just do what I say the first time, and you won't, you won't catch my rap. 
I mean, but you know, with my dad, like I watched my brothers get their ass whooped, bounced up against the wall. Man, I ain't want. I wasn't for all of that. I'm good. That's why I was never at home. I stayed gone. I ain't want to hear all that. I come home because my dad's a longshoreman, so I come home. He come home. They didn't do something. I ain't catching that fate. Not from him. I ain't. No, I don't have time for that. That clip didn't no expense, did like, he? It was like, he didn't care if it was male or female. No, basically majority of 99% of the time it was the same person. But everybody just had to hear his mouth. Like, we don't want to hear that at all. But 99% of the time it was the same person. Every single time it well, was the same person. I think everybody can relate to, relate to that one defying sibling that kind of pushed the envelopes with mom and dad that kept everybody else in trouble because they refused just to do the right thing. Yeah. I think we all had that, that sibling. Like he pushed it and ran to my mama. Come on. Come on, saving. She, I mean, she would, but I mean, he wouldn't do no bad. Just make it worse for him. Yeah, because I know that I know that Cliff something else. Cliff a cool dude. I remember one time we were so Janae's dad lived around the corner for me uh when they were kids growing up and he had a basketball goal in his front yard and all the kids would go around there and play basketball. And I can't remember exactly to the T what happened, but I remember me being mad because I think somebody followed me and they wouldn't give me the foul. They was arguing about it being a foul. So I got mad and Kind of probably was mild enough. Cliff said, "You can tell you what, young fella, you can take your ass home." <laughs> I'm like, "What this old nigga talking to me like this?" <laughs> but yeah, man, I've been been a young kid. Cliff telling me to take my ass home out his yard. He told a lot of kids that we don't like to take your ass home because you don't live here. That's definitely especially what he told. if I feed you, because he fed my dad fed everybody. It still does. He'll cook for the whole block, but. You ain't got time for the extra food, especially coming from somebody else's job. Yeah, I remember you ran my ass off that day. So look, probably a good thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we're we're down. Do, do you have a sad part? Mm. Either you do or you don't. Ain't no um. <laughs> so no, she doesn't have anything for the I'm sad part to tonight. Work and school work. Um. So normally in the last ten minutes of the show, um. We do a final parting shot about something that we've seen over the past week or month or year that's upsetting of sorts. Um, so I do have a sad part um, that I'm going to close with, but I'll, I'll hold mine till about the 54 mark uh, of the show. And I'll close out the last six minutes of the show with uh, my sad part. Um so, so while we're waiting for his sad part, um, starting this Sunday, oh, excuse me. starting this Sunday, um, Kevin starts his what he said with Kevin Walker Sports Edition. Um, for all you fellas, you know, Kevin knows everything about sports because he sits in front of the TV. He say one thing and the commentator said the same thing that he say. I'm like, you just need to be on ESPN, NBC, somebody to hire you. So this week, um, this Sunday, actually, at what time? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Five o'clock on a Sunday? Yeah. We're doing it in between the last game and the night game. Okay. So, at five o'clock on starting this Sunday, 
um, Kevin starts his what he said with Kevin Walker Sports Edition. So tune in for that. Also, um, I'm putting together something soon. So y'all hear more about that. Um, What's up, Jimmy? But other than that, um, we are at week 12. This is the last show for season one. We will start season two um, next week, a week after next. Um, we will start season two. So this is the last show for season one. We get week 12. You've lasted this long. So, um, and you've got many more shows to come. Um, so um, if you want to tune in, please tune in Sunday at five o'clock for what he said with Kevin Walker Sports Edition. He will have some special guests with me, some coaches that he's coached with over the years. And um, we're going to look up and get a coach, uh, Yates coach, actually, Troy. And it's going to be some good things. I don't know if you and uh, Monroe don't have y'all a little special session, but we'll work that out. <laughs> so be ready My boy Gary Monroe. So be ready for that. Um, no, who I am, I see uh, Jimmy Williams just timed in on here. I am going to have Jimmy on for, uh, Jimmy's a young preacher. And, um, man, he sends me words of devotion every single day. Janae, I think I forwarded some on to you that Jimmy has sent me. Yeah. And I want to have start having Jimmy in here with me. You know, very, very good uh, biblical teaching young brother um and so i do want to have jimmy on some shows with me on wednesday night uh start giving another perspective and jimmy's perspective i guarantee you is always going to be from a from a biblical side of things and i'll let jimmy tell his own story but i am going to set up with jimmy and maybe get jimmy in here starting i don't know we might have him in next next wednesday night starting at eight o'clock um so he can kick off season two he can kick off season two there you go jimmy you got that you can kick off season two. You can be on here next next Wednesday with us from whatever location you at. Just um, um, send Kevin your email address, and I'll see you the link. And um, and y'all can just come in through, and y'all can be on together, um, and just set it up. All you gotta do is just accept the invite when it's time, and y'all to be in there. Um, and y'all can do y'all little podcast. You'll open up season two. So every Wednesday at eight p.m. What he said with Kevin Walker. Every Sunday at 5 p.m., what he said with Kevin, Kevin Walker Sports Edition. So he's going to be highlighting everything from Little League to the NFL. We definitely going to hit on that Little League because they be off the chain Man. now. It's getting hard. Oh, it's getting worse nowadays. Look, and I was I was turned on. And we'll talk about this this Sunday. But I'm going to give you all sort of a preview. There's an NBA player whose kid was playing for a local organization, a, a very prominent NBA player uh, whose kid was playing for an organization. And that was an altercation with his family. And man, it just, you know, it's crazy. And people say, is this why you got away from Little League? I'm like, uh, And yeah. it was really over nothing. nothing. Yeah. The kids playing. And they thought their kid was being jumped by his teammates. And they got mad. Some words was exchanged. The wife said the one the coach called us something. He didn't say it. She said she read his lips. And it went on from there. So we lip reading. Like, what are we doing here? So and it escalated. Parents got mad. Pulled the key up, pulled the kid up the team. Be honest, I ain't never seen a kid play. I 
I didn't even know that was his kid. But hey, it is what it is. There's a lot of things that's happened. The Little League world, the culture of Little League has definitely changed. It has definitely changed. It is totally the same. Well, especially with me going up in Pop Warner and how this foolishness is now. Nah, I ain't digging it. But my baby like it. I ain't digging it. Um. So, yeah, man, the Little League world is definitely a different world for anybody who's out there doing it. Uh, you know exactly where I'm coming from. Uh, so, look, the last three minutes, <clears throat> let me give you guys my my sad part of the week. Um, so, for years now, um, basically, I've said, love don't live here anymore. Because I think it's hard to find people who are compatible to you when it comes to the way you love and the way you want to be loved. And that's why I've said, very simply put, that love just don't live here with me anymore. But it's easier when you find somebody with a level of compatibility, even from a conversation standpoint, that sort of understands you, sort of gets you, and really kind of feel you in a totally different manner. <clears throat> I know it's crazy when you're staying up with late nights, having those conversations like you're in high school all over again, uh, not getting the rest you need because your ass and got old, but you know the difference between what you're feeling and what you don't want to feel. You know, my saying is, my peace got to be my peace. I'm not going to deal with, I'm not going to date anyone. I'm not going to even compromise my happiness for a situation that I know is not conducive to something that I would want long term. The sad part about it all is that are we truly fair once we've been hurt, once we've been damaged? And that's a question that I have for my inner me, for myself, not for anybody else, but for Kevin Walker. I have that question. Once you've been damaged, are you ever the same person again? The sad part is it's not fair to the next somebody to blame them for whatever else that you've gone through. The sad part is that 99.9% .9 of the time, that person didn't have anything to do with whatever it is you, you're going through or whatever it is you went through. I heard Jada Pinkett describe her situation as an entanglement. But what I also heard was her describe mental torment that she was putting herself in. So I think entanglement or her entanglement was more mental than it was physical because she was caught up from the emotional side of the relationship. See, 
we try and do it our way, the worldly way, when clearly the Bible is written as a stepping stone, as a guide to our lifestyles. Every word in the Bible is clearly and strategically placed for us to pattern our lifestyles. But we tend to still wanna avoid the Bible and do it our way. And that's why most of our lifestyles and most of our lives have no direction because of the distraction of the world. And when your life has no direction, it can't resist distraction. People can say whatever they want to say. People are going to be people. People are not going to be happy for you. It'd be the one sitting right next to you that put out all the negative vibes, all the negative energy around you. The sad part, the sad part is that we keep those people in our circle. We keep those people with negative vibes in our midst. Man, I've stated on here many times, Darrell McClinton is my brother. I ain't got to talk to him every day. Cedric Jenkins is my brother. I don't have to talk to Ced every day, but that's my brother. And he always say to me, man, Kel, man, I love you more than more sometimes, man, than maybe I do my own. Man, but we real with each other. The sad part is that, yes, love does still live here. You just got to find the right woman or the right man who can beat down that locked basement door or who's willing to beat down that basement door and rescue you from the depths of hell. And that's the sad part, that it's a fight to get in to save your own life sometimes. This is what he said with Kevin Walker. Thank y'all for tuning in. You didn't think about your sad boy? Mm -hmm.